Thank you, Barry. They help. What's a wizard's favorite software? I don't know. Spell check. It's time for a compelled duel. single-player co-DM 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Last time on Compelled Duel, Ferrara Valside had several interesting revelations <laughs> about the world around her that she previously had not considered, up to and including meeting some kind of ancient, forgotten Australian goddess. And the time before that, on Compelled Duel, Lara Valside had a no-good, very bad day. <laughs> He had a, a brief moment of victory that was then snatched out from under him by him being uh, drugged and kidnapped. We're going to pick right back up where we left off with Leo. So, Leo, you open your eyes and you have two simultaneous realizations. The first is that it has been some time since the last moment you remember being awake. You feel kind of sore. And two, you are gagged and tied to a chair. Can I see anything? You have dark vision, so the room you're in is pretty dark, but looks to be stone walls, not super fancy. You see next to you out of the corner of your eye. In one chair on your right is Zed Stonebloom, similarly tied up, similarly gagged, and raising hell. <laughs> you can actually hear the legs of his chair, like, tapping as he rocks back and forth, trying to break it. And out of the corner of your other eye, on the left, you see Ravain Sorrel, also gagged, tied to a chair. Still out, you think. Let me check my spell sheet and see if there's anything I can do without somatic or verbal components. That is a third realization. You realize that your holy symbol, your choker, is gone from around your neck. Shit. You can also tell you don't have any of your weapons on you, you don't have your armor on you. Fuck. Okay, I start doing what Zed's doing. I'm trying to, <laughs> <laughs> trying to knock my chair over, I oh, guess. jeez. <laughs> let's, just, let's just roll a luck check, <laughs> honestly, on that. That's a six, so you try to do that, yes, you throw your full, not significant weight. My full 110 pounds of weight. Yeah, <laughs> into this rocking, you fall over. The chair is now sideways on the floor. Your face is pressed up against the floor. It's not broken, you're still tied to it. <laughs> I just look up at Zed. Zed actually stops rocking as you fall over. <laughs> You can tell he can't see. It's too dark in the room for him to see what's going on. But he goes, <laughs> There's a brief pause. <laughs> and then the door on the other side of the room opens, lets in a little bit of light. And then walking into the room, you see King Isaac Ashthorn with two guards. 
I know Leo is gagged, but he starts cussing as <laughs> loudly as he possibly can. King Ashlorn walks in and sighs deeply and then turns to the guards and nods at you and says, Get him up. These guards walk over, haul your chair back up. King Ashthorn hauls another chair over from the other side of the room and sits down in front of you, steeples his fingers, and then says, I want you to know I wish it didn't have to be this way. I'm not an antagonistic man by nature. I consider myself patient. But when there is a threat to my city and to my daughter, in the form of an arrogant, selfish child who seems to have no notion that there are boundaries that one should not cross in the pursuit of getting what one wants. And when that arrogant child has the ability to mold people's minds into what he wants, then I have concerns. I am not an antagonistic man. I am doing what I have always done, which is exactly what is necessary. Leo is just trembling in fury because he cannot do anything. Isaac just mouthed himself and says, Right, well, as soon as we can get in touch with the Assuring Consulate, we will get something arranged, then resolve the situation. He turns to Zed and says, Mr. Stonebloom, you will be released just as soon as the issue here is taken care of. As soon as he says something about the Asturian Consulate, Leo shifts from being angry to looking absolutely terrified. His eyes go wide and he immediately shuts up. King Isaac nods to himself and he says, Right, we're all appraised of the situation then. And then he gets up, he puts the chair back, and he looks at the two guards that he brought in with him. And he says, if you two could stay here to monitor, and then he waves at you and says, this whole situation, I would appreciate it. The guards start lighting candles around the room, and King Isaac leaves. I am going to pretend that something is drastically medically wrong with me. <laughs> okay, how are you doing that? I'm gonna start shaking and wheezing for air, like I'm having some kind of elf asthma attack. Well, performance, I guess. Natural one. <laughs> you, like, try and make like you're gasping for air, and you accidentally inhale a fiber from the gag. <laughs> Ew. And start actually coughing. <laughs> Zed turns his head a little bit and, like, raises an eyebrow. I hack pitifully. A moment passes and another, and the guards, they came in seeming very professional, but after a few minutes they sit down and start playing cards at the side of the room, and roll perception. Natural 20. With a natural 20, you see the door open just a little bit and then close again very fast. And you see a shape sticking to the walls in the shadows. You see two big 
all iris, amber eyes with big slit pupils. And then one of them winks. And then a few things happen very fast. Both of those are gonna hit. And then add sneak attack to the first one. So with a total of 21 damage, one of the guards, he's just sitting there playing cards, and then his throat erupts in a veritable fountain of blood as a glint of metal just goes <laughs> Then the other one stands up, cursing colorfully, and goes for the door, and it is blocked. And you see, coming out of the shadows, a very slim figure. On first glance, you would say this is an Asturian elf, but like, with the volume turned up is the best way I can describe it. Just a very slim figure moves very fluidly, a little taller than you, not much, with those big amber eyes with those slit pupils. There are no whites around the irises. Curly hair that is the same color that is like French braided at the top and then pulled back. Kind of dressed like Envy from Full Metal Alchemist. Tight fitting pants, boots, cropped up. You watch as this figure's lips curl into a big grin with very sharp teeth. And then they nod at the guard and then tilt their head and kind of mock pout and say, Aw, darling, you having trouble with that? And then they are going to go for another attack. Seven damage. So they get this guard in the shoulder with one dagger and pin him to the door. Holy shit! He starts to scream, and then this person's other hand goes over his mouth. And they say, Now, there's no need to be kicking up a fuss, is there? And they're going to roll one final attack. And that's gonna hit. And they plunge a second dagger directly into this guard's neck. Whoa! And just leave him pinned to the door as they turn and smile at you and say, Well, this is a bitch of an unsatisfactory situation, isn't it? <laughs> they bob a little curtsy and then say, The name is Dominial Sandis, but uh, you can call me Mia for short. They walk over and they circle behind you and you feel the gag come loose. Now, give me a second to get you and your pretty friends here out of bondage, as it were, and we can have a discussion, can't we? You are ungagged now. You can talk. Who sent you? Well, that's not information you need right now, is it? And then there is a clattering sound and they're gonna make a lockpicking check. Side of hand. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. You feel your arms get released from the chair. And then there is a very almost imperceptible sound of footsteps as they go over and you watch them cut the gag on Zed, untie him, and then go over and do the same to Ravane. And then they circle around the chair and do just like a little smack on his cheek and say, all right, sweetheart, up and at him. 
and her van comes through with that. <laughs> it would appear that the situation has escalated far beyond our control. Just go with it. He pauses and looks around wildly and says, What the fuck is wrong with you? Leo sucks his teeth and shakes his head and leans back in his chair and says, It would appear that what the fuck is wrong with me is that I am really goddamn stupid. He pauses for a second and bends forward a little in the chair and says, No, I'm sorry. I need a second. I'd need just a second. And you watch as his fingernails grow a little longer and there is a puff of spores around him. And then he takes a deep breath and goes, Nope. No. What is happening? Sorry. The last thing I remember, somebody came up behind me and grabbed me across the mouth, so I need just a minute to deal with that. I don't, I don't, I don't. King Rosebrook fucked us over, and it would seem he had help with that, and I was letting Eleonora lead me along on a merry dance for the whole thing and pulled us right into it. Revenge puts his head in his hands. Okay. 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 And then Mia apparently claps once and says, Well, as interesting as all that is, we should be getting out of here before someone takes notice that there are two corpses in the room. And then they take a step back and do another deeper curtsy and say, But as long as we're taking the time for introductions, Hello, everybody. I am Mia Saunders. I am first and foremost a connoisseur of all things fine. And uh, and then they wink at Zed and say, pretty. Subconsciously, Leo <laughs> growls in the back of his throat like a cat. They laugh, just a big musical laugh, like tip their head back. And then you watch as their posture straightens and you watch that lazy smile drop. They kick at the body on the floor and say, But it seems today that we'll be uh, taking advantage of my other skill set. Shall we, boys? They walk over, take both daggers off of the body, pin to the door. Ooh. It drops. Ooh. And they fiddle with the lock a second, and then the door swings open. Again, I would ask, you know, who sent you? Why are you here? Are you here to kill me? Also, do you know where they put my stuff? Because I'm pretty useless without it. Oh, I'm sure we can find something. But to, uh, tad you over till then. And then they pull out of their belt a hooked, jagged dagger that looks to be made of some sort of organic material. Possibly a claw or a horn of something. And hand it to you. This should suit you fine. I don't know what kind of check I would have to make to make sure it's not, like, cursed or something before I touch it. I don't trust them. Make an Arcana check. Uh, Arcana check's gonna be a big old ten. As far as you can tell, there is definitely divine magic coming off this thing. You said they look Australian? Pretty much. The coloring, again, is weird. Like, they don't have the cool undertones their hair, skin, eyes are all very warm, amber-colored. Almost the same shade, just uniformly. But eh, otherwise, yeah, probably. It seems likely that this is an Australian elf talking to you, for lack of anything else. Alright, I take the knife. 
the second your hand closes around it, you hear in your head, I scream and drop the knife. <laughs> Zed is getting up from the chair, stretching, and he stops and goes, Uh, what? The knife just talked to me. Alright, that's weird. I pick it up again, slowly. <laughs> okay. Again, in your head, just... I would appreciate if you didn't do that again. Lord Kimrel? There is a long-suffering sigh that echoes off the edges of your skull. And the voice says, Yes! After the week I have had, nothing would surprise me. Trust me. By the door, the figure that has identified themselves as Mia says, Listen. I would love to indulge whatever this is. It's very entertaining for me. But I am sort of on the clock at the moment, so I would appreciate if we could get this wrapped up. Okay, is the knife like a magical item then? I mean, you said that there's magic, like divine magic coming off of it. Is it like an attunable magic item? Yes. I will give you the card for that later. Okay. Before we leave, I go ahead and attune to it. It also, I will say right now, doubles in function as a holy symbol and a dagger, mechanically. Okay, so I could, if I needed to, stab somebody with it. You could. Okay. As soon as he realizes that he has the ability to cast spells back, Leo visibly relaxes. Alright, so you leave the room? Yes, I leave the room. The four of you all leave the room. Um, Ruvain is not talking. He seems freaked. You, I think, have been here before in a council meeting. You recognize, as soon as you leave the room, the architecture of the castle at Estermyth. Son of a bitch. Leo's very visibly hurt and angry as they're walking along. Do you want to make a history check to see if Eleanor has told you enough about the architecture of the palace that you can find your way around? Yeah, sure. 23 to history. I listen when my girlfriend tells me things. (laughs) Chugging that respect women juice. Um. (laughs) I don't know how much respect I feel now, but... You know a fair bit about the layout of the castle because Eleanor is an architecture nerd. She has geeked out on more than one occasion (laughs) about how there was a lot of thought and planning and math that went into the architecture of the castle at Astromyth, so it's just gonna stand for probably long after everyone that has ever been in it is dead. You can tell, looking out a window, that you are on probably the second or third floor, and by the light coming through the window, it is close to sunset, so you are on the west side of the castle, so you know that the door is somewhere directly below you, and that Eleanor's personal chambers are in the northwest. By on the second or third floor, what would that mean in terms of just going out the window? Because it wouldn't be the first time I've done that. It wouldn't be good. If you're on the second floor, you're probably about 24 feet up. If you're on the third, you're probably about 36 feet up. Oh, yeah, that's a lot of fall. Closer to 40. Yeah, that's a lot of fall damage. Yeah. I don't have slow fall or anything. Yeah. And I don't know what Ravain has, and he seems like he's not in any condition to help out. <laughs> Well, and also, we don't have our stuff. Like, he probably doesn't have his wand or anything. No. In good conscience, I can't leave without our stuff, because, like, Ravain's wand is probably there, my holy symbol's there, I'm not leaving that, even though I've got the new one. 
I don't think you'd know off the top of your head where they would be keeping that. Can I investigation check to see if I could... Yeah. Ten. Yeah, it's not going to do it. Um, You could make a guess, but it would take time that you maybe don't have. Leo turns around and looks at Zed and says, uh, Oh, okay, well, what should we do? Zed nods to himself and then takes a deep breath and says, Ah, uh, uh, I think we should see if we can uh, persuade somebody to tell us where our stuff is. The way I see it, we don't have a lot of time. The only person in this castle that would probably tell us anything is Eleonora, and I'm not, I'm not. God, I'm such a fucking idiot. We're sort of, uh, out of options. I don't know if I can do what we would have to do to get her to tell us. No, you know what? No, you know what? I can't. Let's go. I know where she is. You head off towards where you know Eleanor's bedchamber is. Uh, roll a stealth check. Okay, I'm just gonna group stealth. Sixteen. No one else scored under a twenty? You are ghosts. <laughs> There's nothing. There are guards in the hall, but you manage to, like, duck out of sight. It's not a very far walk, and you know exactly where it is, so it's not super hard to get there. You end up in front of these doors. Do you try the handle, or are you just gonna... I try the handle, yeah. Unlocked. I go in. I'm gonna roll perception real quick. So as you walk in, it opens up into not the room where she sleeps, but sort of a receiving area. So you hear her in another room, just kind of clattering around with something. You can hear her actually humming to herself. Leo gets that extremely hurt look on his face again, because... This happened, and she's just singing to herself in her room. It's a closed door, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to set up to be behind the door when it opens, and wave at the others to hide. We'll say that self check just carries over, so that's fine. You wait a minute, and then the door opens, there is the sound of footsteps, and you see Eleonora walking past, kind of adjusting one of her sleeves, still humming to herself, just seems unbothered. Grapple check. I rolled a three. (laughs) I rolled a three, and she's got a plus four strength modifier. She rolled a natural 19. Okay. So she rolled a 23. Well, with my modifier, it was actually a five, but... Okay. (laughs) So you lunge out and try to, like, grab her, and without seeming to think about it, she flips you onto your back. Oof. You hit the ground hard, and in a second, she is hitting you to the ground and has a knife to you, and then she stops and tilts her head, and she says, Leah, what are you doing here? I'd ask you if you really think I'm that stupid, but given that I apparently am, it doesn't make sense to ask at all. She sits back. She is sitting on you, pinning you down, but the knife goes away, and she doesn't have the arm across her collarbones that she did a second ago. She squints, and then says, What are you talking about? Why are you in my room? Because I got out of the prison cell that your father put me in, and I need to know where my holy symbol is. So if you would like to tell me that, I'll be on my way. The- what- what are you talking about? 
don't... It, it, it all makes too much sense, right? You come along on all of the little adventures, you run back to Daddy and report, he and Bobbin put their heads together. What are you talking I about? I got drugged at the gala and apparently dragged here unconscious, and now your father is getting ready to ship me back to Australia to die. Don't pretend you don't know what's going on here. What did my father offer you, gold? I'm Alliance? not- I'm not pretending, shut up! She backs off and has both her hands up. Roll an inside check. That's gonna be a 26 to insight. Lenora has no idea what's going on. She is genuinely surprised to see you here. She is genuinely freaked out by what you're saying. Leo backs down a little bit after noticing that and just kind of looks confused. He is confused. Eleonora still hands up. She puts them down very slowly and then says, I don't know what's going on. I... What? What are you talking about? Start from the beginning. I don't... I... At, at the gala in Stoutwood, I went to talk to Bobbin and Lubosh about the land negotiations that I had set up, and there was something in the wine. Bobbin knocked me over the head. Next thing I know, I wake up in a cell here, and your father is talking about sending me back to Australia. I... They, they said you'd gone back to Irie early. I, I don't... I don't understand. They lied. It's not that hard to understand. I... There is a pause. She has her hand over her mouth. And then, in your peripheral vision, Zed comes over and holds a hand out to you to, like, get you off the floor. Okay, yeah, I, I take it, I get up. There's a moment of silence, and you can see the gears turning in Eleanor's head. She takes a deep breath, she says, Fuck. Fuck. What, what do you, what do you know here that I don't? It's, it's not, it's not that important. I, I, God. Okay, okay. Uh, they took, they took your holy symbol? My holy symbol, my sword, my armor's back in Stoutwood. Kimrel knows what we're gonna do about that. Ravain's wand. Zed's. Zed grimaces and says uh, uh, a few personal items that I, I will admit could hypothetically have been weapons, but Eleanor nods to herself. She gets to her feet and she says, Alright, uh, I know where they would have put this. Um, let's, let's go. She looks deeply upset. Okay, I follow her. She leads you out around a couple of corners, down some stairs, and to a storage room. She immediately goes to a chest in this big storage room and starts handing stuff out. She didn't know what was going on here, but now that she has the full picture, she knows exactly what is happening. Is the impression that you get. Okay, is all of our stuff there? Yep. Ravain looks a lot more sure of himself with his wand in his hand. He holds hand up and goes, Everybody shut up! And you watch him go through somatic components of a spell, and Sweetie, the skeleton bird, <laughs> appears in a puff of smoke. Ravain takes a very deep breath and goes, Okay. Alright, I'm good now.
Well, no, I'm not, but I'll 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 be fine. Yeah, I feel like that's where all of us are right now, though, and Boy Leo claps him on the shoulder. He actually looks a little mad. <laughs> he, like, slaps your hand away. He says, you got me kidnapped, you don't get to make up nicknames. My name is Ravain. Shut up. Okay, noted. And then he just, like, rubs at his forehead, goes, okay, all right, all right, all right. So, uh, I mean, what happens if we get out of here? We don't know if Isaac's already gotten in touch with the Asturian consulate. If they put a bead on where I am, shit is going to get really bad really fast. Eleonora nods, and then says, So they can't find out where you are. Obviously. Persian would probably still shield you. Uh, we could... Well, that depends. Uh, there would be a council meeting about it. Uh, I, I don't know if we can trust any of them anymore. I mean, for all we know, Bobbin and your father were behind all of that bullshit in Lockham, too. This could go... It, it could be infecting the whole council. Eleonora. I don't... My father wouldn't do that. I... You seemed to have thought that your father wouldn't drug me and kidnap me and try to sell me back to people that want my head on a pike, too, but... He's... He's overreacting. It's... It's... It's different. It's different with you or with Warren. It's... It... He wouldn't... He's not malicious. He's just... No, I don't know what to do here. And she puts her head in her hands. Yeah, we need to be somewhere private for this. Leo gets her by the hand and looks at Zed and Ravane and Mia, like, give us a minute. Ravane leaves of his own accord, still looking a little shaken and a little bit pissed off. Zed bodily <laughs> tries to pick up Mia and doesn't quite do it and just shoves them out the door. And, uh, nods very seriously and just closes the door with his elbow. And you are alone with Eleanor in the storage room. Leo puts his hands over hers, where she's got her head in her hands, and just kind of leans forward and presses his forehead against hers. I cannot bring whatever hired knives my father is going to send after me anywhere near you. I also cannot trust anybody on that council to protect me anymore. Not when I've gotten burned by it already. I've got to get out of here. Well, we knew that already. I, I just... Eleonora, I've got to get out of here. I've... I can't stay in Tordun anymore. It's not safe. It's not safe for me. It's not safe for you. She pulls back. Well, what's the alternative? You can't go back home. You need to gather people. You need resources. You can't... I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer here. I've lost... Well, give me a minute to think. I'll figure something out. I... I I can figure something out. She, like, puts her hands back through her hair and nods to herself and just kind of looks around like she's looking for an answer. As far as he's concerned, everything's out the window now because he got kidnapped by one of the people that he trusted to be in his corner, so... What reason does he have to trust anybody else that has pledged their support to him? And as you come to that realization and just run out of alternatives, Eleonora stops moving and puts her hands down and just looks at you and you see tears welling up in her eyes. And she says, I don't know what to do. 
Neither do I. I think I need to leave. So, come on, go pack a bag. Let's go. She takes a step back. What? Well, clearly we need to get out of here. Maybe we can just get out, get into the countryside for a while, get our heads on straight, figure out what we're doing here. You know, reevaluate the situation. We'll find some way to turn this around. We, we always find a way to turn it around. Eleonora, come on, let's, let's go. No, I... That's not the answer. Something else is the answer. There aren't any answers. And if there are, we can't wait around here to figure them out. I cannot explain to you how bad it is going to be if Australian covert operatives come in here looking for me. If it doesn't get me killed, it's going to get some of your people killed. I can't just leave, Leo. What are you talking about? I... I can't go. Obviously I can't go. I... I... You said you would at the gala. You said you would. You said it wasn't a no. I can't just drop everything and, and go. I, I have responsibilities. I have my father. I have a city that I will be the queen of at some point. I, I can't just drop everything and run off. Again, she has just tears welling up in her eyes. Her hair is all messed up where her hands were in it. She looks freaked. She looks upset. Leo just gets a hand on either side of her face again. I understand how tall of an order this is. I don't think you do, or you wouldn't be asking. I walked away from the last person I felt this way about. Don't make me walk away from you. So don't! Roll Persuasion. Jesus. Yeah. 
So, you guys pretty much disappear. Eleanor starts leading you through the halls again. Roll insight. 17. You see her pause at a corner, and just one hand goes up to her face and makes a motion like she's wiping away something off her cheek. Alright, the door is just down the stairs, and you'll be good to go. And right as that happens, you hear a bell start ringing. Fuck. There are just thundering footsteps all over the castle. Eleanor turns back to you. She has wiped away visibly one tear track down one cheek. There's another one just going. And she looks panicked for a second. Okay, uh, the time for subtlety is over. Everybody run. And then she takes off down the stairs. Okay, I'm running after her. You get down into the grand entrance hall of this castle. Just the high domed ceiling, the frescoes on the wall. It is beautiful and terrible because you are very aware that this is the last place you're going to see Eleanor Ashthorn. As you get in there, there are guards closing the front door, and you see coming in from the other side, King Isaac Ashthorn, in resplendent shining armor, with his sword in its scabbard, untied. He locks eyes at you across the hall, and with one fluid motion, pulls his greatsword out of its sheath. And in this booming voice that just echoes across the chamber says, Let's be reasonable about this. I see no reason to be the only person that is in this situation. Eleonora, ahead of you on the stairs, squares her shoulders. We don't have to do this. We, we don't have to do this. And Isaac says, Eleonora, get out of the way. Cool, cool, cool. My armor class is 14, because I have no armor. (laughs) That one. Isaac rolled an 18. Eleanor also rolled a nat one. But Zed rolled also an 18. And he has a higher dex. Than the good King Ashthorn. Zed is gonna get past Eleonora down the stairs and block the stairway with his fists up. And he's gonna sigh and crack his neck and drawl. This doesn't have to get ugly. The guards at the door start taking their swords out. And Zed sighs and he says, Well, fuck. He looks back at you and his rakish grin goes across his face and he says, well, this one's familiar, isn't it? And nostalgia's a real bitch, huh? Leo draws his sword. How outnumbered are we? Quite outnumbered. Every guard in the castle is converging on your location, with that bell going. I'm gonna dual wield, actually. I'm gonna have my sword in my offhand, and my knife that Mia gave me. Yeah, I think that's gonna be Zed's turn. He's gonna hold his attack until one of the guards, specifically, comes up on you. King Isaac Ashthorn with decisive, thundering footsteps, crosses the floor. Sword out. He is going to look Zed in the eye, and he is going to say, Move. 
and he is going to cast the command spell. So Zed's going to make a whiz save. With a DC 17. Doesn't make it. He is going to cast it at a second level, and Eleonora is also going to make a whiz save. That's not going to do it. That's a three. Eleonora flattens herself against the wall, looks at you, and says, Fuck! I'm sorry! And Isaac Ashthorn charges up the steps, and he is going to make an attack on you with his bonus action. So, he doesn't get his proficiency bonus. He just barely misses. The sword grazes past you, it cuts through your shirt as you lean back subconsciously, and then it is your turn. Would you like to tell me what my magic item does now? You have received the magic item, Kimrel's Blade. Okay. And the special ability that it has is once per long rest, you can do max damage on a necromancy spell of your choice. And in the back of your head, you hear that hissing whisper go, I don't have much of a choice. So I rolled a natural 19, plus my spellcasting modifier would be a 26 to hit with a third level Inflict Wounds. That's gonna hit. Okay, so uh, Inflict Wounds is actually a melee spell attack, which means I can apply my channel divinity touch of death to it, which allows me to add an extra 15 points of necrotic damage to any attack once per day. I would like to use my magical ability on Kimrel's blade, so that will mean that King Ashthorn will take a total of 65 necrotic damage. Holy shit. Okay. That has done just over half of his max health. You smack him with this blade, and it does so much more force than you're used to, it bites into his hand, and you watch just black veins of necrotic energy spread from where it hits, down his hand, down his arm. He yells and staggers, and then your turn is over. It is Eleonora's turn. She yells, STOP! Everybody stop! And everything goes quiet. She is going to scramble up the stairs, and she is going to put herself between her father and you. And she is, like, visibly crying. Hands up. She says, just stop. He's going. Just stop. Please stop. I'm asking. I'm asking you to stop. There is just a second where the tip of Isaac's sword dips. And Eleanor says, Go! And are you running? One of the hands that she has up, Leo reaches out and grabs and squeezes and whispers, I really did love you. And he books it out of the castle. He once again makes the decision to walk away from someone he loves and leaves a huge bloody piece of himself behind. His heart is shattered. As you're going, Zed just knocks the guards at the doors out of the way. <laughs> just a big cannonball. Yeah. <laughs> 
he knocks him away and one of them tries to the lunge and Mia grabs him by the arm and twists. Oh. And just big smile says, I don't think you want to do that. And then just books it after you. And you are out of the castle. You are, I would assume, running to the front gates of Estermouth. Yep. You are going. You are out. You are running. Yeah, I mean, I'm going until we find somewhere we can stop that's either outside of Estermouth territory or safely able to be hidden in. I think at a certain point, Ravan starts to stumble and Zed picks him up in a piggyback. Eventually, night falls. That's when you kind of all stagger at a clearing. That says, okay, everybody stop, reevaluate. Shit. Ravane, from over his shoulder, says, I'm good now. And that says, got it, and just puts him down. Leo just balls his hands up in his hair and puts his back against a tree and slides down to the ground and just has his head between his knees, staring at the ground. Mia, in the middle of the clearing, clears the throat and goes, <clears throat> Well, it seems to me that we should, uh, plan out our next movements, if anybody would like to volunteer an idea. There's not a fucking we. Pardon me. And they, like, put a hand on their chest and say, did I or did I not just save your sorry ass? Oh, yeah, we've got the, uh, brutally efficient murderer that I just met. The kid that grew up in the woods, who I've already put in more danger than I agreed to. And Zed, who's only around until Leo opens up his coin purse and starts counting and goes, About a week from now, assuming I decide not to eat. Zed puts a hand up and says, Okay, let's, let's just slow down there. I don't want your fucking charity. I'll be fine. This is what I do. I hurt people and I run away. I'll figure it out. I don't... I don't need anybody. Ravane actually says, No, you don't get to do that. You agreed to help me with a problem. That is the reason I am here. That is the reason I got kidnapped, apparently, now. That is the reason I left everything I have ever known behind. So no, you don't get to just give up. And then he nods to himself and he says, I'm going to make a fire and apparently stay up all night because there's not much keeping me from killing all of you in the middle of the night right now, is there? So I think the least you could do is get a handle on this and figure out where we're going next. And then he stomps off into the woods. Leo stomps off in the opposite direction. He's not, like, running Yikes. away or anything. But Yikes. Yeah, he gets up and walks away. I just go find the biggest tree I can and <laughs> curl up in the roots. I use a sacred flame <laughs> cantrip to make myself another sad little fire. After a minute, there's a rustling in the bushes. And Zed comes around a tree and just sits down on the other side of your little fire with you. And says, so smoke isn't necessarily what you want when you're trying to keep hidden. Oh. Yeah. Leo stomps the fire out. It's so small and pitiful that it's easily stomped out. He nods himself. He says, uh, between me and Ravane, I think we have a pretty good understanding of how to get some dry wood, so we're not sending up a signal for anybody looking for us. If you would like to come and join the rest of us back in the clearing. 
If it's all the same to you, Zen, I'd like to just sit here and feel sorry for myself for a little bit longer. I'm processing a lot. I have lost five years of work in the space of one day. I don't know that I'll ever be able to go home now, and I just lost... I took a lot of big hits today, and I am extremely good at getting hurt and then taking that out on other people, and I would just prefer to sit here and take it out on myself, if that's alright. Zed nods to himself and, like, rubs the back of his neck, and then says, Well, as someone pretty experienced with hitting rock bottom, I have good news and bad news. Go ahead and tell me the bad news first. The bad news is, this ain't it. But that's also the good news. And then he just kind of settles back and just lays down on the ground. <laughs> you don't have to lay out here in the cold with my miserable ass. I don't have enough money left to give you a bonus for it. Call this one a freebie. You've been giving me a lot of those lately. Yeah, well... <sighs> Good night. Alright, I'm gonna sit there and take my trance, but before I do that, I'd like to use my last third level spell slot of the day to send a sending spell to Wilhelmina Dawnchaser. Okay. Bobbin has plans for some skeevy shit. Ashthorn was in on it. I'm not safe. Have to go. Protect Warren, tell Bertrand I said thanks. Okay, and she can reply to that? Yes. You hear a response after a second. Wilhelmina Dawnchaser's voice says, Where are you? Send word. Bertrand and I can help. You don't have to do this, Leo. I don't have any more third level spell slots. I, I can't. <sighs> yep, I take my trance. We've established that you have, like, dreams and visions while you're trancing. Yeah. There is a long pause while you're dreaming, just kind of in that trancing, half-awake state. And then you have this vision of this vast, completely still body of water that you were just sitting on in your trancing position. And in front of you sits Kimrel, Lord of Bones. Just sitting there? Just sitting there, his robe flowing in a slight breeze. There is a soft gleam of light that kind of pings off the tips of his teeth and some of the ornamentation on his robe. And then he takes a very audible, rattling breath and says, Didn't quite go as intended. Yeah, thanks for the knife. He nods slowly, and he says, You understand now that true power comes through sacrifice. I'm never gonna see her again. Whatever power I'm gonna get out of this wasn't worth it, and I don't feel too powerful stranded out in the middle of the woods with nothing. Kimrel slowly nods again and says that's the thing about 
sacrifice. You never know if it's worth it or not. So what the hell am I supposed to do now? I've got the clothes on my back, my weapons, a negligible amount of money, and the weirdest collection of people I've ever met. And five years of work down the drain. So what, did you come to tell me that I messed up again?
We're gonna go stay with your mom? Under the protection of the Order of the Golden Tusk. Yeah. And that's where we're gonna end for the week. I need to go lay down. That's fair. Uh, Ugh, that was a lot. So, yeah, it would seem that Leo's trajectory in life has <laughs> dramatically changed. Oh no! Very quickly. Um, I. Yeah. I'm a broken man. <laughs> anyway, stay tuned. We will see all of you guys next week on Compelled Duel. Hey everybody, Barry here with the Postscript, just clearing up a couple housekeeping things here at the end of the episode. As always, we're going to be plugging our social medias. You can find us on Twitter, Tumblr, and TikTok at Compelled Duel. We are also on TikTok at Compelled Duel Audios, where we post audio snippets from the show. In addition, we have an official Spotify account where we post cool things like episode playlists and character playlists, and an official website. You can find both of those linked on all of our social media profiles. We do host a Q&A show every Monday at 3 p.m. PST, so if you want to drop by and check that out, that's going to be on our YouTube account. You can find that on YouTube by just searching Compelled Duel. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, we ask that you consider pledging to our Patreon. When you pledge to our Patreon, you can get things like priority questions in the Q&As, access to special playlists on the official Spotify, and even letters from your favorite character every month. That starts at just $2 a month, and it's a great way to support the podcast. A special thank you to all of our new patrons that have pledged since the last time we've uploaded an episode, so thank you to Sapphire Young, Kiki, Sam I Am, and Laurel Sleeper. In addition, if you're looking for other ways to support the podcast, we ask that if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, that you drop us a rating and a review. This helps us get promoted to a wider listener base and helps get our name out there. Our next episode is going to be going up on Friday, March 12th, 2021. Or if you are a member of our Patreon, you'll be getting early access to that on Thursday, March 11th. Thank you guys so much. See you next week.